Hello and welcome back to the Folk Podcast. So this episode kind of goes along with a recent video I will upload, um, which is an introduction into shamanism and shamanic practice. Um, so I actually have two guests here today to um, answer, uh, ask questions to, um, and they'll answer them back. And so this is kind of like the full um, episode for everyone to enjoy, and they have a podcast of their own. Uh, I forget, what, what's the name of both of your uh, podcast? Our podcast is named uh, Woodwolf. Woodwolf. Uh, yeah, we will provide you with the link. It's um, written W-O-E-D and then Wolf. Okay, excellent. Um, yeah, I'll have that in the show notes for uh, everyone listening to this episode. Um, so if you want to see the full episode, uh, like the full discussion here, um, you're in the right spot. But we also have nice, a uh, lot of visuals uh, and more conversation around shamanism and shamanic practice uh, in the full length video on the Wisdom of Odin YouTube. Uh, but with that, we're just going to move into the questions and see where the conversation takes us. Uh, so I think first, let's just do introductions. Uh, just introduce yourselves to the audience uh, and for the video itself. This is why I said we should have someone say first. This is why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Miriam, please. I'll just I'll just go first with things and and do, go yeah. second. Ladies first, yeah. all right? Yeah, there you go. I told you. Yeah. I told you. So my birth name is Miriam, and uh, my shamanic name uh, being given by my teacher is Easy Dear Come or Easy Dear Come, uh, not like Easy, but you write like uh, I Z. Uh, I and H and um, yeah I work uh, now as a shaman and I have been an educated uh, psychologist and uh, I combine those things in my uh, we call it the wolf cave <laughs> um, my practice here in Holland and I am Anthony um, I have yet to receive my shamanic title because I have not been initiated in Spirit of Wolf, but uh, on Instagram, you can find me as Wolfpack Healer. Um, I've been a shamanic practitioner for four to five years right now. And earlier this year, I joined Spirit of Wolf. Um, other than being a shamanic practitioner, I work a lot with people as a barber. And that helps me understand the human psyche a little bit more because it's not really hairdressing or barbering when you have very uh, personal talks with your clients. And I work one-on-one, -on -one, so that gives me plenty of room to, to, be, to go deep on certain subjects. And um, so I add a little bit of a shamanic flair to my work as a barber too. So is there is there drumming involved? Like you got scissors in one hand, and somehow you got like a drum set up at the same time. You're just sending them deep into a trance, and <laughs> uh, it's 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 a little less like that. It's more um, hair is energy, and when you look at hair like that, and people are releasing things by talking about them, um, and and talking about what they have been going through in the last weeks that they have not seen you. Um, you literally cut away the old pieces so that they can shed those and go out refreshed with like uh, their energy combed and slicked back and, and looking all nice and clean. Um, so it's more like that. I got you. I got you. Um, so to kind of just roll off the, uh, that into another question, uh, can you describe uh, Spirit Wolf Shaman uh, and just like, uh, you know, the organization around that and just give us an introduction to what the group is? Yes, um, 
the spirit of wolf is actually a tradition from um, Caucasia or Caucas. This is a republic in uh, Siberia and it's between a squeeze in between the Altai and Tuva. And um, this tradition is a, a family tradition of uh, Shaman Karagai and uh, Karagai uh, now lives in Moscow. And um, he founded an organization around his family tradition called Spirit of Wolf, I believe, if I say this right, in 2010. And uh, this quickly became very popular because uh, Shaman Karagai is very famous in uh, Siberia, famous like uh, he did miraculous healings and he's a very known, uh, well-known shaman in Russia. And he made this organization and community around Spirit of Wolf also for preservation of uh, shamanic heritage uh, and also to help and heal people. And his um, family tradition was also, um, they took in Shaman Morsuk. Maybe some of you who are listening uh, also follow him on Instagram, Shaman Morsuk. And he is my teacher. And so I learned from him. And um, the whole organization is now um, given to him. And he lives in Austria and is given to him. And he now coordinates this in Europe. And uh, so the wolf has entered Europe. And uh, this is basically very short where we are now. Anthony, do you have anything to add to that? I think she uh, described it. She perfectly. nailed it. Well, very good. <laughs> uh, so a uh, question to both of you, um, maybe, maybe Anthony, you want to start. Um, how did you both get involved uh, with Spirit of the Wolf? Uh, I got I got involved in Spirit of Wolf um, during COVID um because i was i mean it was in between the breaks between the lockdowns uh because i was looking to to connect with people uh that shared similar views on life like i did because before that my path was pretty um a pretty lone wolf before i found my pack i could say um because i was mostly self-taught i had a few teachers um before who gave me like really good core points on which i could work and then could research on my own and they would always be there to to, to guide and such um but i was really trying to find a deep connection with people very much closer to me and this is uh when i found miriam uh on instagram i think it was and i saw that she was hosting a fire ritual um and I was very much interested and I really felt the pull to 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 go and I messaged her and then we uh, we actually instantly clicked over a conversation in which I was very much uncertain if I could let my voice be heard and drum and sing and and do um, whatever it was that I felt like I should be doing um, because I've never done that around people uh, at that moment. So yeah, that's actually how I got into contact with Spirit of Wolf. And then after that, uh, I kind of rode solo for a little bit more and went more into the Norse um, shamanic path until the wolf crossed my path again uh, earlier this year in which um, I had a dream of a beautiful Russian man named Karagai. Um, this, this was the representation of the spirit of a wolf because I already work with a lot of wolves. Um, 
and they really had to make sure that I was not getting the message uh, wrongly. Uh, and he came to me, Karagai, and he said to me like, okay, it's time. And I was like, yeah, it's time for what now? Yeah, it's time for you to make your headdress. And at first I didn't know what it meant. And I was like, okay, not sure what's happening. But then I talked with Miriam about possibly joining. And I had a second occurrence where, where I met Karagai, where he was showing me that I had to make my, my shamanic outfit and, and, and all this stuff. And he said, okay, it's time. It's time for you to join. And at that moment, I felt that in whole my, my whole body. I could sense like, okay, this is where I have to be right now. Um, and I contacted Miriam and Morsuk. And this is where we are right now. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, Miriam, what about you? So, yeah. Um, Go back to the, like, what you know, the date of birth, you know, your first first memory, uh, and really just walk <laughs> me through the entire life. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try to be short about this. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> no, so you're old, right. so probably, uh, I probably would nail it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, now I'm 33. And I was born here in Netherlands in a small village. And I was always a nature child and a bit weird. Uh, that's why I got bullied at school, being weird, talking to trees, talking to animals, having invisible, invisible friends, which I now know, now know are spirits. <laughs> but then they were pretty normal to me. So um, when I was 12, I had this, uh, I still remember it so vividly. Um, my friend, I think she also was 12 or something. And she called me and she said, I'm a witch. <laughs> and I had like this image of old ladies with big hook noses and very ugly rats and everything. And, uh, and I was like, who the hell, why do you want to be a witch? And why are you proud about saying this to me? And, um, she showed me this little book about, uh, Wicca and witchcraft. And I started reading and i was like this is in no way what i uh, what, what i expected it to be and i was like this is me this was my first like recognition like really this is really me and they were talking about the moon and the night and uh, when i was little i used to uh, sneak out of the house and go into the night into the um, we call this the polder the the, the fields here and uh, just wander off and um, so that was also a bit strange many strange things but i won't list them all <laughs> but um yeah that was the first start when i was 12 like really i got in contact to in um with this nature spirituality and i was celebrating these ostara rituals in my small room at my parents house and i wasn't allowed to smoke incense and, and that kind of stuff i learned a lot from this time let's say that um i learned a lot and about just life about people having conversations going to this into the city and all the nightlife and all the kind of dark stuff that also happens into the, all the nightlife in cities and um, i feel like you're talking specifically so was... about amsterdam since i've been there no, we don't talk about Amsterdam because talk. we talk about Rotterdam. <laughs> yeah, so don't mention Amsterdam to a pe person who lived in Rotterdam. But no, <laughs> only joking. But um, they're basically uh, just as bad. <laughs> they're just as bad. Um, um, considering uh, if you are a nature person, they're just as bad. But um, when I was 22, I think, 
So that's almost 10 years ago, longer, I think 20. I got in, um, I got into the, um, the witchcraft and the heathenry part again and uh, start reconnecting with this. And um, then this whole Norse paganism came up at this time. And also uh, Vardruna came up and um, not much later Vikings came. And so this whole Northern paganism started like exploding. And I was really like, yes, this is it. <laughs> I have always had a fascination for Iceland and Icelandic horses and the whole myth and, and, and culture. And so I dived deep into this Asatru um, heathenry uh, paganism. And um, what I got to learn is that this is, uh, well, the perspective then was that this is a very a book religion. You must know your history and you must do research. And so I did a lot of research. Uh, I also wrote a book uh, eventually about uh, tradition in uh, the midwinter times here in, in Holland and Germany. And in Germany, it's called Raunachte, the time between the, the year, the years. And um, I combine this with a, a sort of feminine touch because I feel the world needs more, uh, like you also mentioned, like this goddess energy. And we see the established religion, like the church has men all around and Islam has men, everywhere is men. And uh, I was really like, where's the women? <laughs> Where are the goddesses? And not just Mary, but also the, the fierce uh, side of uh, the feminine. And so um, I founded my, um, um, yeah, my my business, I would say, uh, in first in uh, in women's uh, spirituality and uh, paganism, heathenry with a heathen touch, I would say. And um, I've been doing this uh, up until now, still. And um, I had some teachers, and I read a lot of books, and uh, mostly self-taught, of course because we don't have an alive tradition here uh, anymore in Europe. And uh, for me, this became a very important thing. Uh, tradition, like uh, what are things coming from? Uh, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What's this herb? Uh, where does it come from? Uh, why do we ship out herbs from, I don't know where, all the way here when we have it here? <laughs> so that, that, it doesn't make sense. And um, um, yeah, I had a lot of teachers, but I also had a lot of um, negative encounters with with teachers, like a lot of ego stuff also. Uh, not all of them, but some, and there's just strange things going on sometimes. And I was also sick and tired of, <laughs> of finding it out myself, everything, like reading it, reconstructing, reconstructing. And then there's this whole argument within hedonry that everyone wants to be right about. Yeah, you have to do it like this. You have to do it like this. And I was like, oh, it's the church all over again. So I got sick and tired of this. And I remember this one time I was in a car and I said to my husband, I'm sick and tired of this. I don't want to reinvent a tradition. I don't want it. <laughs> I just want to help people. I'm a psychologist. I want to help people in a holistic way. And uh, then boom. Same day came uh, Shaman Morsuk on my path. And um, I don't know how I found him. It's just like with my husband. I found my husband on, on Facebook and I don't know what happened, but now we got married. And so this is the same with Shaman You just woke Morsuk. up one day like, whoa, where does like ring come from? Why are you in my bed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the way I also found Morsuk and um, we clicked right away. And uh, I, 
I did maybe two rituals and then I went boom uh, right to him and he gave me the initiation and he said you're a shaman and I was like what I, there was no way in my head there was a possibility that I was a shaman it didn't even cross my mind I wasn't for me a shaman was people in Mongolia and Siberia and and with a tradition and everything and um, so he did this ritual for me and uh, only after the ritual he gave me this small piece of cloth and he said this is your shaman name and it's it's easy there come and now you go and do your thing and I was completely um, I don't know confused I was just so confused and afterwards of course <laughs> I asked some questions and uh, things started to yeah, you didn't ask the questions weird. until after you got the name. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really. After. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like the second day I, I saw him, he gave me this initiation. I didn't even know it was an initiation after the initiation. <laughs> I knew we would do a ritual together, but that's the only thing uh, I really knew. So um, I, yeah. I do want to ask with the, the, the shaman names, because I had this down to ask it anyways. Um, you know, Anthony, yeah. you said you haven't received one yet and you said you received one quite early. So is it something that is more of like a, a like a hierarchy, like once you finally reach a certain point or is it something that's more of an organic process when you receive it? Um, there's uh, several ways that one can become a shaman. Actually, one is a shaman or isn't a shaman, I believe, um, because we believe in a thing called purpose and uh, it's not like so fixed, it's not like everything's fixed about fate, but some things are fixed, like what you have to, what do you um, going to bring into this world that will help the world, this is something we believe in, and um, to be a shaman is to have the blessing of the spirits, and the spirits decide who is a shaman, there, in, in our tradition, there is no hierarchy, uh, there is uh, levels of initiation, so there is one until 13 um mostly nine and then there are several others uh optional others but mostly there uh, is yeah there is nine uh but one shaman is not better than the other they're all different um but the name doesn't um apply to these hierarchy or something like it so one thing I do want to say, and this is more of just a, for the sake of conversation. So it's interesting hearing your story because uh, it's very similar to the reason I started the Wisdom of Odin. Um, it's because I was probably a practicing heathen for like two years before I decided to start uh, the channel. And I was mostly just fed up and frustrated because it just seemed like everyone wanted to just have a piece of the pie and, and, and control who could eat the pie, so to speak. Um, and, you know, it just seemed like everyone was like, oh, you have to do these things in order to do it. And you have to be, you know, say these things and sign this document uh, and, you know, buy these things in order to be a, a pagan. And I was like, well, I don't want to, that doesn't make sense. You know, when I'm reading material, it doesn't seem like that it should exist. It was a folk religion. It was a religion of people. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start a YouTube. I'm going to start talking about it. And then as soon as I got a big enough following, I was like, hey, who just wants to have a gathering? Who wants to come and just celebrate? Um, you know, no hierarchy, no nothing. And it just started happening. And I mean, that's what's led me to doing what I do now um, is, you know, our main philosophy is, you know, the gods, the folk and, you know, who we are and the, the ancestors and the spirits of the land are above everything else. They're above your politics. They're above, above your sexuality, your race, everything. Those are above us. And that's how we maintain our soul. And so far that's, it's just been very successful. And, uh, you know, I'm very, very proud. We've maintained that, that vision so far. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard because I, I have uh, led also several heathen groups and, uh, well, we haven't had any trouble, but uh, I heard from other groups and I've seen other groups fall apart by this whole uh, bickering about what's right and what's wrong. And 
some kind of heathen inquisition that started to happen here <laughs> and uh yeah pretty much everywhere i see this on the internet like all the egos clashing like want to be right about the facts and you know it's it's a hard thing because you cannot say like we just do whatever we want and we disregard every historical source that's not i don't think that's right either but it isn't right either uh, either way to to um to uh, forbid people to use several words like uh, like Ostara, the evidence for a goddess like Ostara is there. Is, it is there, but it's not very much. So this is a point of of discussion with a lot of people, for example. And uh, but I'm like, for me, I have a clear mission into about this world, and this world is very uh, um, disengaged from nature. And I believe any form of nature religion or nature spirituality can uh, close this gap and is a good start i would love to see my neighbor celebrate ostara or isis or whatever it is called and and bring more religion and more ritual and yeah more don't fight over the nuances and, over it yeah <laughs> and more nature into their lives and and whatever it's called it's not important right now we can always do this uh, in, in 300 years from now, but for now it's more important that it is there and that it's not, um, that not everyone is, is in argument with each other. We must say like, we are nature spirituality and yeah. we think this is important for the world. And that's what I want to promote. Just, uh, just since you've mentioned Ostara, so recently um, we went to a lake here, a series of lakes uh, in Southern Germany uh, that were called the Ostara Lakes, like the Ostarazine. Uh, and I, I was just, we were just kind of wandering around and we just kept finding these signs that this very well could have been a, a very much a spring celebratory spot because, uh, we found uh, Waldmeister, uh, which is a spring plant growing there. Um, and the town still had very much a, like, a, like a very much emphasis on their maypole. Like it was at the dead center of the town. Uh, and then we even found like a nude beach, like right on the lakes, the, the water was clear, uh, you know, and the water just had a special property. It was like a lime fed water system. And I was sitting here, like all these things coming together. Like, I can't give you a book source saying that this is right, but the fact that it's called Ostara Lakes and it's got all of these signs of spring to me, that shows that there's something, something here. Yeah. And the point is also what is uh, your um what's the benefit from is it or is it not connected to ostara you are there you feel this energy you feel this and you experience this and things are right and uh it's more important that you connect with this lake and connect with the energy of spring and whatever you would call it if it's ostara or nectus or yort or whatever it doesn't matter to me uh personally i would be happy that you would celebrate nature in in its spring form that's right. all for me well I, I, clearly we could have this conversation for many hours because there's there's been a few things you've mentioned and i'm like oh i could definitely talk about that for a while but we need to focus on the the shaman stuff as well uh so anthony let's pull you back in here because i had a question written down for you um so you mentioned the uh the heathen path for yourself um so is that something that you still kind of follow along with the uh spirit of wolf is that are they something that comes together or like how does the relationship uh, play out? Uh, well, thank you for asking. Uh, the thing is, I walk them in parallel. So what I do is I have my Norse spirituality and I have uh, the spirit of wolf uh, path that I follow. They do not mix because we want to keep the tradition pure. Um, but I do walk both paths. Um, and 
right now I'm focusing a little bit more on the spirit of wolf path because I'm learning a lot of stuff right now and it's really good to get those practices in but that doesn't mean that I'm not engaged anymore in my spiritual path with um with the Norse deities and 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 my connection to that so um you know you say you walk them in parallel uh so in the uh, spirit of wolf tradition is there any like d this like set deities does it follow like a deity path or is it more of like focus on the the actual practice of it uh well we we don't have deities uh we do have uh, well we um get them get them yeah. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> we do have de- we do have deities um but it's it's not in the same form as um the norse structure we have father sky we have mother earth we have um apparently a god from the middle world that i learned yesterday about uh from Pladvia, uh that i now forgot the name of um because she was very strict that i had to pronounce it right um uh i'm I'm gonna have to look it up for it's a okay second. Uh, I'll, I'll make i'll make a note like make it seem like you got it right on the first try yeah, like, yeah, yeah. i'll make i'll make you look good um yeah uh and then you have the god from the middle world or one of the gods from the middle world who is uh Kayurakan. uh he was uh a bear and he was actually the first one who gave um the the tambourine or the drum to uh the first shaman that's really uh no that's really cool i love that um and that kind of you know i just love hearing these things because it kind of coincides with the experiences i've had uh, on my own so uh, and i'm not seeking validation by sharing this i just you know i, I just want to share this experience because one of my most my first prolific experiences was encountering an ancestor spirit um that only introduced themselves to me as grandfather and that was actually the thing that started my journey is, you know, I was kind of messing, you know, playing around with, you know, spirit realm walking, uh, spirit travel uh, and, and trance work. And I had actually achieved a, a very in-depth um, trance and I decided to go to the lower world, ro- lower realms. And that's why I encountered the spirit. Um, and that's kind of, you know, really, yeah, what really launched my path. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, we do have the the division with the three worlds too um it's a little bit different from core shamanism uh these that is taught these days so on uh, that actually let's reframe that as a question so we can use that um so uh what is the difference between spirit of wolf shamanism and uh, what you would describe as core shamanism uh well core shamanism is in my opinion um shamanism that has pieces and bits of uh the indigenous tribes that uh i think it was michael hardner um went and gathered as a philanthropist i think anthropologist anthropologist yeah i knew it was anthropologist is a slightly more positive term than philanthropist yeah (laughs) (laughs) these days uh exactly um and and he gathered uh, as an anthropologist anthropologist he gathered that information and from that standpoint he kind of invented or created uh core shamanism but it took away tradition it took away the the pieces that were very much linked to the tradition because he gathered it from 
multiple perspectives and there he took he took the source out of that and then he formed that into something new and the difference with shamanism from a tradition like spirit of wolf is that it has been passed on from generation to generation and from shaman to shaman uh, in which you um, you get the whole shebang I could say um, yeah it's more like it's like what you say um, core shamanism takes the core from everything around the world and um, Michael Harner tried to uh, find all the similarities around the world so he said like every um, shamanic tradition around the world uses trance for example I just say something the one uses trance uh, induced by uh, plants the other does it by uh, the drum uh, etc so he says one component of shamanism of the core of shamanism is the trance so this is the way he uh, how I perceive it or how, how I uh, have understood it um, that he wanted to get some to the core of what real shamanism what, what shamanism was and is and um, to make I believe it's it's not a bad starting point for us here without any tradition without any shamanic tradition because in the I believe in the late 70s or 60s a lot of Native American uh, rituals came to the West and uh, the Native American elders they said like you uh, in the West have lost your shamanic tradition and we want to help you and you can use our rituals our sacred rituals so uh, this was actually I believe a good starting point because there's a whole tradition it's like a full tradition and Michael Harner's core shamanism um, is, of course, not an existing tradition. So he made a system to be uh, to be clear. And um, this system, I think it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not it's very it's very good, actually. And uh, I've seen good results to up a certain point um, for people to learn shamanism, as, as do I have learned it, as do all of us probably have learned yeah. core shamanism through books of Sandra Ingerman, and those are very good books, and they're absolutely not bad, and I have no criticism about them whatsoever. Like I said, everything's welcome in this world, which is deprived of their connection to nature, you know, so everything's welcome. But if you, um, if you want to bring a local aspect in, uh, I would prefer that more. And um, what's the difference? Well, yeah, well, local tradition like uh, heathenry is very local. It's it's it connects with the plants, with the animals, with the uh, uh, climate that is in a certain area, and it also connects with the ancestors. So the traditions that your ancestors have uh, practiced as well. So this makes up a broken line. So this, uh, the hope is of course that we can reconnect this line. And so people try to uh, combine this core shamanism with research, research into old tradition and, and deities and all that kind of stuff. So they almost use um, core shamanism as like a base to build off of. Yeah, like a basis. Yeah, yeah. and that's not a bad idea. I think that's a good idea, actually, to, to start fresh. And if there's no other option or alternative, this is the best way I think you can reconstruct your tradition, your shamanic tradition. But it's not... Um, well, in, in fact, it's now a tradition. It's a tradition of Michael Harner. So when you learn from Michael Harner, it's a tradition of Michael Harner, Harner tradition, you can call it this way. So I believe, yeah, this is a tradition, core shamanic tradition. But um, with Spirit of Wolf, 
uh, like Anthony also says, it's from shaman uh, to shaman. And what the difference is, and um, I will send you um, um, a short film of my teacher Morsicum. It's called The Way of the, uh, the Shamanic Way, if I say it right. And um, here he also explains why this tradition from Siberia is compatible to Europe. Uh, because here there is no shamanism at all in traditional form, like really the shaman. And in uh, Siberia, this is also disappearing because a lot of people in the countryside don't want to be this shaman guy who walks around in funny clothes and in the countryside and having not so much money and no TV and everything. So they also flock to these Western um, influenced cities to make a living and go to cinemas and everything. I don't blame them, <laughs> you know. Um, We're talking on computers right now, you know. <laughs> we that's do. why. And they don't want this life. Uh, most of them don't want it. Some do want it. And uh, there is also renewed interest in Siberia for this uh, profession of a shaman, renewed. So, but uh, it's disappearing everywhere. So um, um, this tradition from Kakas, um, Chakasia is um, framed by Altai and Tuva. Altai and Tuva are um, places where Buddhism is also present. So this Buddhism and shamanism, they got together. So you find elements of Buddhism also in shamanism. Um, in Chakasia, in Kakas region, there is Orthodox Christianity. So you probably would expect that doesn't mix very well. Uh, it, it had mixed a little bit in some things uh, from the old believers, as they uh, call these uh, people um, of the early um, um, uh, Orthodox tradition. And um, so there's no influence of religion, very little, very, very little. And it means that this tradition of spirit of wolf is purely based on nature. It's very deprived of, of religious uh, aspects. Uh, again, religion in, in, and shamanism, it goes well together. It's not a bad thing. Like, uh, I don't say like this is bad and this is good. But what I see or my opinion is, uh, and also Morsik's opinion is, that um, this tradition is very well competitive of com uh, compatible to Europe because the basis is nature with tradition. So everywhere so, you have nature. So actually, let so, me um, kind of, so if I'm kind of understanding this correctly. Um, so basically, you know, let's say you, the base, you have like something like core shamanism, the microharna way. And then you would say that spirit, uh, spirit of wolf is more tradition based rather than religious based. Whereas if you started, um, you know, infusing heathenry into the shamanism, then it becomes more religious based. Is that kind of, does that make sense? Am I understanding that correctly? Um, this is not something I think about a lot because uh, it's not in my work area anymore. But um, heathenry is different than shamanism, of course. Well, I guess what I mean is like, you know, um, when you have the upper and lower realms, you would say like, oh, that's Yggdrasil. You're just climbing up and down the world tree. You're visiting, you know, you have a Filgia rather than, a, rather than like a power animal or something like that. So you're infusing more Norse terminology into your understanding of the spirit world. Yes. Um... Yes, but the point is for me is that Michael Harner, and this is also what Anthony says, like Michael Harner wanted to make similarities. He, he takes the similarities and puts them together to one thing. And the thing from uh, traditional shamanism is the differences. 
there's so many differences you cannot find one line and uh, there's an interesting book and it's called the sky shamans of mongolia and there this guy um he interviewed 50 shamans from mongolia and their cosmology it it doesn't no similarities at all just none just just completely different and they all live in mongolia and they all work i don't know i think also within the same tradition but but nothing is the same so when we hear the terms of Filgia, I've also worked with Filgia and, and spirit uh, animals and Anthony also, um, you make these categories and this nature does not do this so much. It, it's just in, in our tradition, traditional shamanism says, there's just spirit, that's it, there's just spirits. And this is spirit, that's a spirit, this is spirit, this is spirit, yeah. So. And, and some traditions have a difference between uh, like uh, one uh, core animal that stays with you. That's a pretty similarity from here also to Native Americans. But there are so many differences. You cannot make a religion out of shamanism. It's impossible. It's just impossible. And with heathenry, yeah, it can become a religion. But um, I'm not a really big fan of religion. And um, traditional shamanism... Oh my gosh, who hurt you? Practice, I'm so sorry. is really based upon direct personal experience so the direct relationship with man and nature without uh, any structure around it or anything it's just like you with this plant you with this fire and you make this connection and uh, there in traditional shamanism there's also the shaman and he has several occupations of course but uh, we talk more around animism also this is more that was anim- what i was going to bring up is it was it's, it sounds like it's a lot more animistic than it is anything else yes and the only thing i do would like to add to the whole conversation between the difference between core shamanism and traditional shamanism is also how deeply rooted it is because um core shamanism is a new tradition started by uh by michael hardner in what was it 60s 70s 80s something like that yeah so that has just set his roots into the ground and is making its way down to get like a good solid foundation by spreading the word by people who are trained by either him or one of his subjects that already happened for um traditional shamanism these roots have already been set very deeply because it has been passed on from shaman to shaman and generation to generation and this goes back many many years some thousands uh even um and by bringing this back in we we get that deeply rooted um tradition that is very stable and is based off of experiences from shamans from generations on generations that then pass along their uh, their knowledge and their wisdoms. And I think that is also one of the big differences. I mean, this is also how I perceive it because I have walked both paths and still am. Um, Religion it, hasn't hurt you yet like it's hurt Miriam. Well, 
Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we're getting there. You're Catholic. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and then you grew a beard, and you were like, "No more." Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, now I look like Jesus. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, the the thing is, I I don't bother a lot with religion. But the thing is, um, I I forgot the point that I was gonna make. Oh so. no! I'm so sorry. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, um, just, uh, you know, right here in the middle of interviews, I always like to have a moment where I just want to just say thank you once again, uh, halfway through here. Um, and I just want to say, I respect you both and I respect conversations like this, uh, more than anything in this world. Um, because I think conversations like this are what's going to change the world. Um, it's cause we're all just, we're learning from one another and, uh, it just truly, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, so pulling it in, um, I do want to ask here, um, and it would help me visualize it as well. And I think this would be good for the video. Um, yeah, so uh, just rolling into that question uh, is, you know, can you describe a, uh, you know, spirit of wolf shaman ritual? There's no such thing as a spirit of wolf typical ritual, but um, one of the main uh, rituals that you also find not only in our tradition, but also in Tuva and other places of Siberia is the Kamlani ritual, uh, which uh, followers of mine or Anthony have also seen uh, coming on our up on our Instagrams and um, this is like a, a very ancient and basic sort of shamanic format for a ritual and um, the Kamlani is a fire ritual in which there is uh, of course a fire and um, this fire well the Kamlani come is means shaman so uh, this for first and foremost and kamlani basically means something like the shaman communicates with his spirits and that's basically it and um the kamlani is uh for the shaman to be the mediator in this ritual so there can be uh, people involved for healing there can be a blessing there can be a wedding there can be a celebration there can be an, uh, a transfer of power or an initiation but this uh, ritual is like uh, a very well-known ritual across the whole Eurasian continent and uh, of course this goes uh, together with several um, other actions not only making the fire but the fire is made uh, or built in a specific way and this way corresponds uh, with the goal of the ritual so is it a blessing we make another uh, fire or we build it in another way than we would if we would do an extraction ritual or or how we would say or a sort of exorcism ritual and um um the 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 thing is that is uh, pretty interesting for the listen listeners is that um how I was taught shamanism is mostly inwards. So uh, when we contact the spirits, we, we close ourselves off from the external world and we go inside. And you see everywhere these images that people lie on the floor and doing trans uh, journeys. And these trans journeys are very popular. You see them everywhere. And again, that is not a criticism or anything. It's perfect. Uh, but a difference is that the Kamlani is very active. So. Uh, we create a ritual space, there is a fire and the shaman has uh, his ton, his uh, shamanic costume or coat, he has his on and he has his drum and he goes clockwise or against the clock, or, but mostly clockwise around the fire with his drum. So he is very active 
And of course, the shaman is known as the um, a person who goes into ecstasy, ecstasy, and he he um, he or she, of course, but I use he now. Um, he invites the spirits into this place, into this field. So the spirits are actually there and can touch you and you can see them and they can do stuff with the fire and they do stuff with the wind and um, this is of course very different than the trans journeys in which we travel to another place and the Kamlani is like we invite them to come with us and be with us so this is an important uh, I think an important distinction between what we maybe are used to here in the west um, again, I just want to, you know, I just want to share out of just uh, pure conversation is it, it's interesting, again, hearing things that uh, are tradition based or something that are deep and uh, deeply rooted and have been around for uh, generations, um, like a ritual I performed for uh, the pagan community here in the state, well, in the States, um, involved me uh, with a pre ritual with several men in the community, and I did clockwise around a fire to basically invoke Odin specifically. Um, but the thing that was interesting is after I was basically done, there was this wind that came in and it came directly under the fire and basically shot this vortex straight up. And I think that was, we all just took a step back and like, we were just like, holy shit. You know? <laughs> like, did we do that? You know, did we, did we, you know, so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> so it's always, I, I just, I, I love hearing that, uh, you know, stuff that you just have to figure out and then, you know, that you get a slight uh, validation from, you know, different groups and stuff like that. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, Anthony, but we, I, oh. we mustn't also forget that this um, this Indo-European origin from our heathen traditions is, of course, very similar to the Siberian tradition, because Indo-European, they come also from Siberia, the Indo-Europeans. So uh, it's very close to each other. And not to forget that they did raid the Rus very frequently. <laughs> there was mutual raiding. Yes, but that also means that there was exchange of knowledge. Yes, everyone was raiding back then. It was yeah. just so trendy. There was no, there was no TV, no TikTok. You raided instead. It's like it's like World of Warcraft all over again. Oh no! Well, if we're going to talk World of Warcraft, give me, we're going to need another hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. How does the World of Warcraft shaman relate to actual shamanism? <laughs> well, I could talk on and on about that, but that's not. <laughs> <laughs> Do Torin actually exist? That's what I need to know. <laughs> Um, so let me see here. Um, the question, another question I had down here um, are: What are some struggles that you both have faced along your your shamanic path, uh, whether that was with uh, a spirit of wolf or or before? Um, the struggles that I have faced, um, and one of the things that is sometimes even popping up right now is uh, a little bit of imposter syndrome, because um shamanism right now has um it is not well known amongst people there's a lot of people who stop believing even even in religion um and and this all seems pretty freaky to them and a lot of these things when you work with spirits and spirit animals spirit guides uh upper worlds and and underworlds middle worlds all these these things they they do happen a lot inwards like miriam just told and then the kamlanis they you they they happen 
um, more outwards. But still, sometimes I do struggle with that imposter syndrome, like, am I making this up? Is this all happening? And one of the key moments in that was that I could see that my clients were having the same experiences than, than I had, or I could tell them key things about them without ever knowing them. Um, but sometimes it does pop up a little bit again, uh, especially when I'm learning something new um, that, I'm, that I'm like really trying to play it safe. But other than that, um, what also happened for me was um, how I got on this path. Uh, it was pretty much a struggle because I was struggling with my body. I had like all these random things going on with my body. I got really sick uh, five years ago and it actually pushed me on the path of one, being more healthy and two, uh, being more spiritually active and healthy too, because that was also one of the things that I was not doing. Uh, and yeah, and then what I, what I also struggle with is the is shamanism not being known enough right now um, that you have to explain it and people look at you like you're, yeah, something different. And I have been different all my life. That is okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm used to that. I've been bullied for that and uh, all that stuff too. But it sometimes is a little bit harder because you're always pushing up against some resistance. And luckily, I've seen many people do turn around and say, hey, wow, this is this is amazing and, and follow their own paths and that. And there's people who don't, and that's perfectly fine too. Uh, they're not here for to do that, and that's perfectly fine. So, Miriam, do uh, you have any struggles you would like to share? No, everything went smooth. <laughs> yes, good. You're the only person <laughs> to practice an alternative lifestyle that's never had any struggles. <laughs> alternative universe, most probably. Um, no. Uh, what I've experienced on my path um, up until now is, well, the resources are very hard to find uh, like uh, good reliable resources i hear this also from students that come to me that they uh, want a teacher but they can't find any and so this was for me also um yeah like a struggle like books are nice but books make you go inside your head and you need a good teacher to bring you down and to practice and stimulate practice and um has also their egos in the right place. Um, I've had also students here uh, who've, who've had pretty shitty experiences. I, not so bad, but um, I had great, I have had great teachers in, in any way. And uh, I, I'm grateful for everything that has uh, given me uh, their teachings, good or, or, or less uh, up until now. But yeah, so the the books and the struggle to, to get to good resources, which are fitting for your own worldview, because there are so many, um, that's, that was a struggle. And um, uh, yeah, I see the personal stuff is always related to the spiritual stuff. It's like one, it's not like I have a, a, a spiritual life and I have a personal life. It's, it's all, all the same. So 
my personal struggles have well the biggest one was um when my father died uh, in 2015 um there is someone before that and some Miriam after and um, my mother also says uh, the same and um, this experience of watching him my father die and um, I'm also now in his old practice he was a psychotherapist and I inherited his house and everything and um, so my whole life changed then and th this was a, a harsh experience very very deeply spiritual so is this a struggle yes but life is a struggle sometimes and if you make these struggles into spiritual challenges and um, chances to grow and to see the lessons in these challenges and these hardships that you're experiencing then there are no real struggles left anymore i believe they're only lessons and this may sound a bit cheesy like a cheesy uh, novel or something, but um, it's it's really like this. And if you have a good teacher, I, I cannot praise my teacher enough. Uh, Shaman Morsuk, he, he always helps me, supports me. He always, when I, I'm in trouble or I feel down, he, he brings me perspective in these situations. And um, this is why I like traditional shamanism so good. You have a one-to-one teacher's relationship and this continues until the end of time. Of course, uh, this is not for free and uh, there, is a, there is a good flow of giving and receiving within this relationship, so it stays balanced. But I would say uh, everything becomes easier when you have a personal teacher who takes you by the hand and shows you the struggles and the lessons behind it. That's wonderful. Um, thank you for sharing that. I do agree by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, um, I think this is a good transition to another question I actually had written down. Um, so let's, I, I want to put you in a mindset. So a lot of my viewers are, are coming from the United States. So they, they really know nothing about a lot of these topics until I bring them up in a video or, you know, or they do research on their own. So let's say someone watching this video that we're, we're making together, or they're just getting into shamanic practice or interest in it. Um, and then you mentioned the lack of resources. So what kind of resources would you recommend to them? Uh, maybe books or, you know, things to kind of connect with. Um, and of course, like the, the teacher process as well. Um, well, how I started was, uh, well, I, I found my teacher by accident <laughs> first, but she also directed me to the books from Core Shamanism uh, of Sandra Ingerman. These are amazing books to get started for sure. Um, they touch on very specific topics. They do learn you how to uh, enter into a trance state. They do teach you how to get your power animals and all that stuff. Um, otherwise, I would suggest looking for um, so workshops, seminars that do give that, but as Miriam also touched, be aware that there's you can have a bad experience in those two because not every teacher has his ego in the right place. Um, and take that as an opportunity to see how it's not done and just take whatever you can learn from that. Um, 
other than that, I think there's 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 some really good stuff on YouTube too. Um, but um, those are kind of the things that I really started off with that really helped me ease into shamanism. And then I had the guidance of my teacher who was like, okay, uh, you have this going on. Why don't you look at it this way and try and see how that flows when you look at it like that. And then she would give me specific um, um, exercises to, to, to be doing to see if something would work because shamanism is very much about your personal experience too. And so just to piggyback off that real quick um, for Miriam, if you had anything to add, um, what are some signs you can look for? Because this is a problem uh, very much in the United States as people that uh, abuse spiritual practices uh, to either make money or to take advantage of people. Is there anything that they can look out for to kind of avoid people that maybe want to just, uh, you know, make a quick buck off of them without actually teaching them anything or, you know, anything in your experiences that you should look out for? I would say um, it's the same answer as I would say, um, as I would give to your um, question of resources. And uh, of course, I also agree with Anthony, but um, actually I do feel the best resource and the hardest one is your intuition. Is intuition, I would say, uh, just take a definition of what's animism, what's shamanism, read maybe some anthropologist book for, for a clear traditional basis of shamanism, what the shaman is, because there's also a difference between a shaman and his profession and to do shamanism as, as, a, as doing it, you know? And it's like, everyone can learn a little bit of shamanism, um, but I don't think the whole world has to do shamanism. I don't think that's, that's uh, necessary it's more necessary that the world gain regains this animistic uh, world view again so i would say uh, start with animism animism then everything uh, will flow after that so i would say nature is the best resource just sit your ass down in nature use your intuition and just listen and feel and be like you were as a child because children have this this innate talent for shamanism they're all little shamans they see in every tree in every animal they see the spirit and they're so connected so i would say uh, just imagine yourself being a child again go sit in nature observe nature just work in nature and read a bit about animistic um, worldview and a little bit about traditional shamanism maybe or techniques just research some techniques like how can i use with this uh, this drum how can i do this uh, for example uh, Lane Redmond has written this great book, When the Drummers uh, Were Women. It's a whole book. It's mostly about feminine uh, um, aspect of drumming, but it's also about just the drum. And there's a whole book about drumming and or make a rattle, um, maybe follow some workshop on techniques and not so so on worldview. I would say worldview, um, I would um, promote it to make it your own worldview just create your own cosmology because it's possible and every image is different when i sit here and i see a tree 
and Jacob and I go, we go to this tree and we make connection to the spirit of this tree. This tree presents itself to you as a white woman or to me as a, a black and white woman or man. Uh, so the form is different, but if you make a connection and you see vividly this image, we all have different image languages. So why would you read a book about someone else, his images and not your own and form your own and make your own direct by feeling it? Because this world has lost touch with his feelings and intuition and tries to find another religious book or another Bible or another archaeologist's book or anthropologist book and i would say please just go back to real basics and that's just nature just look at the sky and if you look long enough it's it it will speak to you so i had an interesting thought on that a while a while ago uh during our last uh, spiritual retreat our last gathering um is one of the things because we typically have four day retreats and usually on that last day is when we you know get like the biggest uh, reactions or the have the biggest rituals and i think part of it is because we come so disconnected you know we're not looking at tvs we're not looking at smartphones and things aren't informing how we think and so we're more reverting back to like you said that more childlike look and so we can have more genuine connections with the nature that is around us Yes, and this is exactly what I mean. Sorry. No worry. I was interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the people, because sharing views and having people who support your live views, they can be different. But if you, I mean, if you would gather like five or 10 people who all believe in animism, it gives great conversation because I might see it in one way and the other person sees it in a different way does that mean that they're wrong no of course not they just uh, experience it differently but it gives great conversation and you get submerged especially if you're doing like four-day retreats you get submerged into this whole um experience in which there's people around you that are like you and you do that sense of community, that tightness, it also elevates our spirits and it helps us get more in touch with indeed the child that lives within us to, to not look at things so seriously or having to have logic for everything and just experience things as it is. If, for example, when you, when you said about what you said about the fire and the vortex that came out of it, all you people saw it and that was probably one of the one of the things that people will still be talking about many years after because that was such a big impression and it all had an impact on them but they are spreading the word they're rippling out their energies and they are helping each other grow and helping it spread the word and to the world i, I, I even oh go ahead no i think it's also important to mention is that we must also except the fact that we are uh, still in a phase in Europe, for example, we're still in a phase of reconstructing this and creating this new tradition, which is old, rooted in old tradition, but we're still creating. And a lot of people are, are working very hard to, to do this in a non-dogmatic way. And uh, we just must accept that we are just still searching. We're still looking and still feeling and exploring, and we're still in this phase. And 
we mustn't expect us to have now have a full um, tradition with roots and everything. It's just like we're all exploring and just please go uh, like Anthony said, like make a group like you do, Jacob, and make a group and just practice, practice, explore, talk to each other, connect with each other, but also celebrate indeed, not be so serious, celebrate and enjoy nature. And when this is the basis and it's it's free and it's it's respectful towards each other, then then things will mostly go into the right direction eventually. So to bring it back, we only have a couple more things we need to talk about here um, to actually fill out, I think, what we need for the video itself. Um, so the last official question here that I want to make sure we covered um, was the question on the uh, like uh, like the actual garment, what you wear during a ritual, and what makes it important. Um, so because there, that's one of the things that first caught my eye. I think with a lot of people in the uh, spirit of wolf page is is the very intricate um, outfits that you have to wear. Um, and I mean, it's absolutely uh, stunning and beautiful as well. But there's definitely a spiritual aspect. So I'd like to know a little bit more about that. The ton or the shamanic costume um, like is hanging behind me and Miriam. Um, it contains a few parts. You have the shamanic crown or headdress, uh, which is set upon the head. And you have the ton, which is the, the vestment that you're wearing. Um, it's like a robe, but... Um, a little bit different. Uh, this, first and foremost, it brings protection. It brings protection to, to ourselves, but also to the people around us, especially if we're hosting uh, a ritual where other people are included. And um, as you can see, um, the iron that are hanging, the snakes that are hanging from uh, Izzy's um, shamanic costume, these are spirits that are actually helping her along her path uh, in the rituals, but also in healing work and in, uh, if I'm correct about this, daily life. Um, and they add, it, it's, it's like having a personal army with you that will help you um, that will help you with healings, with guiding, with calling in the right spirits so that nobody gets like um, bad experiences. Um, and what am I forgetting? I feel like I'm forgetting so many things. <laughs> the, the, like you said, was correct. Um, the tone, as we call it, is... Um, the snakes are indeed uh, Iren, as we we call it. And Iren is basically a spirit house or a spirit um, doll or whatever name or amulet or something that contains a spirit. And these snakes are given by initiation. So this is a very big difference between the, um, um, the ritual garment that you see who also other people from traditions are wearing who are not initiated. Uh, and this is your proof of initiation so you don't need anything to uh if i go to siberia and i come like this they they see you are shaman within the tradition because this is what you get when you are initiated 
And the snakes are also power from the underworld. Uh, but this is a very large topic that I cannot uh, explain fully right now. Uh, it's indeed an armor. And um, it's, of course, very personal. Um, in Spirit of Wolf, this uh, the tone, the, the coat is very personal um, because we are very non-dogmatic, because it's very free and it's very authentic connection to nature. Uh, for example, in uh, Buryat, uh, tradition, you see that the shamans often wear the same um, garment or the same uh, dress. And um, on the head is always feathers, because if no feathers, then the shaman cannot fly to the other worlds. This is the, the thought of it. And uh, we also have some very traditional uh, places there uh, where you place some things. And this has to do with the cosmology. For example, um, here, this is uh, the sun, representation for spirit of the sun. And this is on the right side, because we see sun as male. And the right side of the body is also male. And the moon is on the left side on the back, because the sun is consciousness, and that we can see with the light of the sun. And the moon is dark and is unconscious and subconscious. So this is on the back for, for just an example. And uh, students uh, of Spirit of Wolf who have not yet been initiated, they all make this costume. Um, but this costume is not important for if you just do shamanism. Most of the people who start with shamanism in our tradition are called white shamans. And they work with spirits of the upper world. And we see this as, as spirits that are helpful and that are um, not so much dangerous. And you have the black shaman who works mostly with the underworld spirits and also is very much involved in healing. So um, this is more important to have more protection, but it's, also, it's of course most important that you start with the easy things and the, the good things and the uh, good is not a good, um, uh, word for it, but uh, the helpful spirits before you go to the harmful spirits. And you see Anthony has also made the, the headdress and the coat. And when he is ready and spirits want it, so he gets initiation and then he gets the snakes and the shaman name. So in Spirit of Wolf is a big, big, big difference because we in Spirit of Wolf, if you join Spirit of Wolf, you go on the path of the role of the shaman. So you don't uh, you are not uh, involved in a hobby or, or just um, without responsibilities. This way will uh, lead you and educate you to become maybe a shaman or not. It can also not be. It's not like you join Spirit of Wolf and then you get initiation. It's not that simple. Um, some people take years before and, and some people never, never get initiation, but they just work within the tradition. And sometimes people get initiated in a tradition, but are not shamans and get no shaman name. This is also uh, possible. So a big difference between what we do and what we teach is that we bring back this profession of the shaman back in Europe. And this is very much different than using shamanic techniques, which is also very beneficial to this world. But we make this profession, uh, we bring this profession back in Europe. Um, but I think this will be really good. It's more of like a lightning round kind of thing. Um, so I'm really big on simplifying things as best I can. So I think 
bringing down to just like the, you know, the, the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, you know, kind of questions. So the idea behind this is just let's, the first thing that comes to mind, I know it might not be something that you can fit into a box. Uh, I understand that. Okay. All right. And uh, so we'll start with the, what is shamanism? So Miriam, what is shamanism? Shamanism now has two ways. One of the practicing of the techniques and the other is the shaman. And the shaman traditionally is the one that does uh, healing. He's also a priest. Uh, he's a storyteller, a doctor, uh, a psychologist, and he also performs marriages and is involved death, birth, and everything else that involved in the community. Shamanism for me is exactly as Miriam said, divided in those who practice who practice it and those who are a shaman, um, in which the role of the shaman is the healer, the psychologist, the doctor, the one who tells you the things you have in your head but don't know how to listen to, the one that works. And I must add that the most important thing in shamanism is that you have the connection to the spirit world. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and the one that connects with spirit. <laughs> You said it first. <laughs> that should be, be the first thing that we should have said, but it's yeah. just so obvious that uh, it's so hard yeah. to explain this when you're fully into this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so next question, why would one practice shamanism? Oh, and let me add, maybe we should say, why would someone want to just uh, not necessarily become a shaman, but to just practice shamanism in their lives? Okay, good. Yeah, why would someone practice shamanism? Um, it brings you more into contact with nature, with your own soul or spirit, whatever you may call it, um, brings you more in touch with your feelings and can bring you a deep rest and connection with the world around you, yourself and others. One should practice, one should practice shamanism for its own benefits, for mental health, for physical health, for spiritual health to learn to know yourself better in many levels. For me, it was a lifesaver and I'm sure it was for many people and will be for many people. The intense and beautiful bond you create with yourself and the spirits that are around you, that's just worth it for, for me. And then the who is going to be a little bit complicated, but the who basically means like, what are the beings that are honored within shamanism? So like, you know, you've kind of already answered it with the spirit. So if you just need to reframe it there, so just like, you know, just kind of reframe that a little bit. So who are involved in uh, the practice of shamanism? Of course, you yourself and uh, you in connection with the spirits means the spirits of nature, the elements, the sun, the moon, the earth, the sky, the ancestors, uh, and uh, all other beings that you don't know now how they would look like or how they're named, but you will probably meet some. Who in shamanism is uh, the spirits, nature, yourself, and your connection with all the former? 
Okay, so these last few should be easy. Um, when do you practice shamanism? Is it something like church where you do every Sunday or is it more like, you know, when do you do it? Uh, it depends on tradition uh, and it depends on your own needs and uh, the way in shamanism that you've chosen. Um, but we in Spirit of Wolf, we are active during several calendar days when we honor the elements and they have special days. We honor the equinoxes and the solstices and we make ritual during the new and full moon to ride on this flow of energy of rise and fall and rise and fall again. We as practitioners, we celebrate new moons, full moons, equinoxes and solstices, uh, key moments uh, with the elements and some do every day. Uh, it's, it's what you need and how that you can fit it in your life because for, I think I can say us, it is not just something that we do as a hobby. It is a way of life. It is, we bring it in all that we do and we try to keep it, keep bringing it into everything we do. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, I even bring it into my barbershop. Not everybody is aware, some are, and some are very thankful for it. Um, so I do practice it almost every day. Yes, and I would like to add to everyone who starts on the shamanic path um, to, yeah, I would advise you to do something every day because then it gets into your system and your routine. And if you really want to practice uh, and be better at certain techniques like trance or your connections, then the daily rituals is really something that we emphasize, like um, do it daily, make your daily connections. And this can really change a lot in your benefit. So the final question here, um, again, probably a fairly simple one, but where can someone practice shamanism? Yeah, of course, everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the most, the best thing, of course, is to be on a mountain with a nice waterfall. But um, I think it's important for us to maintain our connections also within our concrete blocks of home uh, far away from nature maybe in the city and it's very important that you need to um, i teach people to make their connections everywhere and every day preferably in nature but we are living in 2022 in which we have more plants than we have children, so you can connect with those. But also in your homes, uh, these, these have spirits too. They care for you. They will look out for you. They will bring fortune for you if you treat them well. Um, and you can actually just do it everywhere. If you find a nice rock on the street, you just grab it, sit down with it, have a little talk with it. If it doesn't say anything, that's perfect too, but at least you have a nice, lock, nice rock. <laughs>
Yeah, I would like to add a very good point you're making, Anthony, because we in Spirit of Wolf, for example, we see the whole world as animistic, so uh, therefore alive. So it doesn't mean uh, that a plant is alive and my teacup isn't. When we say alive, everything is alive, then everything is alive, like really everything. <laughs> and with everything you can have conversations and have relationship with. Yeah, really the spirit of this bottle you know everything is really alive because everything is basically coming from something organic eventually so plastic is actually very ancient it's very interesting so how does it feel the connection to the water bottle jacob well the german tap water i have in here is very chalky um so you know it makes me feel constipated <laughs> Well, so this, 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 so this water is clearly, uh, I know, infused with a spirit that contain is having a very good connection with your bowels. Like, is a bowel spirit perhaps? So, uh, maybe and, uh, like a wall spirit, you know, meant to just just stop things from coming in and going out. Yeah, yeah. For example, so if you do a healing with something or someone that needs protection, you can bring in this chalky water and you can say like, hey, you can help with protecting this person. I'm not really, I'm not joking. Basically. You would do well in art school. <laughs> Let me tell you, like being able yeah. to think on your feet like that, that's art school right there. <laughs> well, I think that is, I think we're actually good there. So I have one fun question for here at the very end, just because I think people will be curious. What are your opinions on Heilung? On what? The band Heilung. Heilung? Yeah. I must uh, I must not speak out because uh, friends of me are in there. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, that means you like them, yes? I would assume. Yeah, of course I like them. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, that's, I, I don't need like their dirty secrets and like what they like, you know, <laughs> what they wear, like what their underwear is. I just need to know if you like them. <laughs> oh, I like them because uh, I know the people who are in there and I like those people and they're nice. And, but I don't listen to the music so often because it's very intense. I, I think it's very um, intensive. So I, I don't listen to this so much. I do. <laughs> I uh, do. I do. Yeah. Um, they're on one of my favorite playlists. One of my favorite playlists. Uh, every now and then they get swapped in and I like their music. So I do you have see one, I have one funny story about this. Oh, please, <laughs> please share. This is a nice one because uh, it's a long time ago when I was still really involved in heathenry and uh, we wanted to do um, a berserk midwinter ritual. So we wanted to go berserk and of course no one ever knew, this is a long time ago, <laughs> no one knew like how to go berserk but we only knew alcohol so we drink a lot of Jägermeister and then we put on this Kriegskalder from Heilung, this, this song. And we had a black paint on the faces and we went outside to burn a sunwheel. And I cannot explain what actually happened, but it was really intense. And this is my relationship to this, to this song, which was really nice and really connecting and really deep and dark, but still it's, it fits Heilung. And Do you still taste the Jägermeister when you hear that song? Yeah. I <laughs> 
And more so, and, you know, and I've been to both Wardruna now and Heilung, and like Wardruna is amazing. Arnold Selbeck is an amazing musician, an amazing historian. But at the same time, you know, that was a concert to me when I went to go see Heilung. It was actually more of a little bit more of a spiritual experience um, than just listening to audibly being enjoying it. You know, there was something about the drums, uh, you know, because I went to go see them at Red Rocks, which was amazing in Colorado. So open air, stars above you, you know, and I looked at my friend, you know, who was with me and I was like, we should take our shoes off. And he was like, yeah. And so we took our shoes off and felt the vibration in the earth. And it's like, you know, when I felt that vibration stars above here in their music, I was just like, you know, I was in it. (laughs) Yeah, but they're definitely more about this extase thing. Uh, Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's a good first dip in the water, put your toes in and, and then go look for the real thing. Yeah. yeah right. And Kai, and Kai on his, on his um, Instagram also shares something about traditional shamanism. So uh, he also get, is uh, being taught by, by traditional shamans. So this is, I think a good basic for, for, uh, yeah, you see this in the music, you, you feel this in this music. Yeah, mm. definitely. It has a nice soul. <laughs> well, good. Um, so that is actually all I have, and it's been a long one, so I think we have covered the subject very well, um, but I, I very much appreciate you guys taking so much time, um, and truly, you know, it sounds like uh, you really want to make sure these traditions stay alive, you want to make sure shamanism becomes more of a topic of conversation, um, and so I really, I'm really excited to make this, uh, make this video and uh, the podcast go along with it to help with that process. Perfect. So, Thank you so much for having us, yeah. of course. Um, and so here at the last section, um, you know, for the, the viewers that have made it all the way through the hour and a half, uh, and then uh, also I'll, I'll leave it in the end of the video as well. Um, just any information you want people to know uh, about you, where they find you or where they, you don't want them to find you, um, as well as your podcast, just give us the, the final plugs uh, for you guys. Um, you can find me on Instagram. This is right now my main source uh, where to find me. And it is Wolfpack Healer, one word. Um, I try to share as much as I can. Um, I'm not always good at it, but I try to share good content. Yeah, and for me, uh, without spelling my whole name and everything around it, it's uh, best to just look for Izzy Dear Come. And I think Jacob would be so nice to put it somewhere uh, uh, around where you are listening right now. So uh, you can go to the Instagram and there you can find my website and there you can find Spirit of Wolf. Uh, But if you are very much interested in Spirit of Wolf and not in me or in Anthony, you can go to uh, uh, spiritofwolf.net to look for more info on the tradition. Did you mention your podcast? Oh, yes. And of course, you can also find Miriam and I talking about all things shamanism and healing on our podcast, which is called Woodwolf, which Jacob will also be so kindly to link in the description. That's going to lot of me right now. I got to link a few. Oh, oh my gosh. You know, all these ums. Uh, I mean, I, I can I can just give you our link tree and then it's all said and done. Will that delete the ums as well? <laughs> it has magic properties. oh yes <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does for me i mean i do not know how your computer works but... uh, i got this damn mac i guess they don't do that <laughs> uh, that's why i have hp <laughs> oh an hp man never mind i'm not doing this podcast anymore 
All right. Well, thank you all so very much for joining us. If you made it through this entire interview, I hope you found it uh, entertaining and enlightening. Uh, and truly, Miriam, Anthony, thank you so much for finding the time for this. Uh, I'm so glad we're working on this and so glad we made it happen. So everyone, thank you so much. And until the hall, let's call it.